Lord, we just worship him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, it makes me want to shout hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you. Praise your wonderful name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so good, so good, so good. I am. We are so blessed to have a relationship with God. We are blessed to be able to come to a place like this twice a week and worship the King of Kings. Amen? Amen. God is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Um, you may be seated for now. We, uh, I had the privilege of going to junior camp this year for the first time. And let me tell you what, those kids that were there, I don't know how many kids that were there, but seven of them got the Holy Ghost while we were there. Amen. And the presence of God was just phenomenal. I mean, these little kids, they know how to worship. These little kids put some adults to shame. They're, they're worshiping, and Sister Hurley was there from Virginia, and she did a phenomenal job, an awesome, awesome job, but there was such a, a move of God in that place. And to watch these young kids, 8 years old, 9, 10, and 11, to worship God, uh, it is just, there's something special about that because they're learning how to get into the presence of God. You know, they go there, and, and Brother Mole, he does a good, fanta fantastic job, and he has a committee that does a great, great job. And they have a, um, a slogan there that they, they, they play hard, but they pray harder, right? And, and there are some games there, but they do know how to pray, and they, they know how to worship. And it's just amazing to see that. And if you ever get an opportunity to go there, or even at family camp, to go and see that one of those services that they have going on, I would highly uh, recommend you do that because it is just something so special to see. God is so good. God is, it amazes me how a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, God can just move on that heart also. Amen. And that, and that is something very special. And uh, we should look forward to that because our kids, they need the Holy Ghost. Our kids need God. And uh, I had, Gavin was there this year, and it was, it was good to watch him worship also, but it was so good of a time there. Good food. They had chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. I mean, it was just phenomenal. It was just a great time in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I do want to mention, if you guys made a, an offering to move the mission, that is coming up. I think it's in August or the end of August, but if you did make a, a pledge for that, I do want to encourage you that you would do that pledge. And if you have not made a pledge, then I would encourage you to think about and pray about. And uh, just like Nike says, just do it. Just make a pledge unto the Lord and for move the mission. Um, it helps out with missionaries with vehicles and Tupelo's Children Mansion and Senior Bible Quizzing. So if you do that, God will bless you. I do want to announce that also. But we're going to get into the word of the Lord this morning. I was praying about what I want to talk about and teach on this, this morning. And uh, I felt like God, and I've talked about this a little bit before, but I felt um, to talk about junk drawers. How many of you guys have a junk drawer at home? Oh, some of you guys are lying. I think everyone has a junk drawer. You might not call it a junk drawer, <laughs> but it's a junk drawer. Uh, let's all stand. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. It is, it is so good to see Bishop Chuppy in the back this morning. I am just so glad to see him. And, he, and anytime I see a smile on his face, it makes me smile also. 
I do appreciate him and his wife, Sister Chuppy. I love him to death. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Somebody say press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you may be seated. And I want to talk a little bit about junk drawers. Um, but this scripture, you know, Paul has, he has um, come to a place in his life. And Paul realized something in his ministry that to look back at things that are already done and over with really doesn't help you whatsoever. And other than if we're going to look back by our testimony and what God has done for us and what God has delivered us from, but, and you see this through the Old Testament also with the children of Israel, how they murmured in, in the wilderness and how they kept complaining every time they went through something hard and they struggled. But Paul is saying that he goes and he wants to look forward. He wants to keep on going, not looking for those things that are in the past, but looking forward. And he presses, and in order to do that, it takes a little squeeze. It takes a little spiritual pressing towards the mark. And there, there's something about spiritual uh, momentum. There's something about building that spiritual momentum up. And I tell you what, we have spiritual momentum right now. Especially after the services that we had, the revival services we had last week, God, filling 19 men with the Holy Ghost at the prison and filling uh, many more here also and people getting baptized and, and just having that move of God and, and us coming to that place of repentance and God moving in our individual lives too, that, that's spiritual momentum. And to keep that, there's something to that. We have to keep that momentum with God when we're living for God. And one thing that will stop momentum is if we start looking behind at the things that we're missing or looking at things that, we've, that uh, we are not necessarily going to help us to grow spiritually. Uh, I remember Brother Andy years ago would say, I think his father, Brother Slate, would tell him, you never say woe in a hard pull. You never say woe in a hard pull. And, and spiritually, you can apply that too. Is that momentum, because as soon as you say stop, if you've ever pulled out a vehicle and it's in the mud, and as long as you're creeping, as long as you're barely moving in the mud, you keep going. You don't stop. Because once you stop, you lose that momentum, and you're never going to gain that momentum again. And spiritually, it could be the same way also. That there are times spiritually where you're just moving and you're trucking along and it feels good. But then there's other times where you're just crawling and you're barely going through it. And you feel like you're going through the mud. You feel like you're going through the mess of life. Amen. You feel like you can't even go any further. But you're just crawling by and you're just moving by. But we must remember that at those times in life, that it's not a time to look back. But it's a time to look forward. And it's a time to keep pressing for the prize that we have. It's the prize that we live for every day. It's the prize why we live for every single day. But keep that spiritual momentum. There's something about that spiritual momentum, continually doing what we know to do, even when it's hard to do that. And that's not always easy, but to do that. Um, but on the, on the topic of junk drawers, like I said, I think we all have junk drawers in our home. And uh, I know we have a junk drawer in our home. And we have a brand new house and we already have a junk drawer. Tell me how that happens. We packed a junk drawer to build a new junk drawer. <laughs> you know we get a problem if you do that. 
And it's, it's, it's pretty funny because my wife, and she gets it from her father, um, is her junk drawer is very organized. You know, it has different containers and it has a cell phone cord wrapped up nice and it has the keys in one spot and the fingernail clipper and the Taco Bell sauce in one spot where I can find it. Come on, somebody. You, if you know, you already know. So some people have organized junk drawers and some people just junk drawers, they just throw it in there. And it's just heaping over and you can barely, clo- barely close the drawer. And, but you know, you go there when you need something, right? If you need a scissors, where do you go? The junk drawer. If, you need, if, you're, if you're anything like me, if you need an Allen wrench, because it seems like every kid product, I'm going to give you a hint here. If you're a young parent, if you have young kids, a lot of the kids' product, when you put those things together, the beds and the toys, they usually use the same Allen wrench. So I actually have like a good Allen wrench key in my junk drawer. So we just, it's a go-to Allen wrench. We always go to it. And then there's a, one of those little flathead and a little Phillips screwdriver in there because there's always those really annoying screws on the back of the toys where you got to take that screw out to put the batteries in. If you're, if you're something like me, then you don't put the batteries in because you got to listen to it all the time. But we have the junk drawer, right? We have the tools that we need in there and we know where they're at. Um, and a lot of times a junk drawer is messy. But a junk drawer is, is, is a place you put things that really don't have a home, right? You put those things that you really just don't know where else to put it, so you put it in the junk drawer. Uh, there was a time where just recently our junk drawer was filled a lot of cords. I mean, if you needed to charge any type of electrical device, we had it. Whether if it's a little vehicle, a little car with like a Hot Wheels car or, or if it's a cell phone or a portable speaker, we had like about every single charger in there. And it was so annoying you could never find the one you're looking for because they're all tangled together. It's just a mess. But we do have these junk drawers in life and it's just a place you put things when you don't want to deal with it. You got scissors sitting on the counter for a week. You got paper clips or, or ponies or whatever it might be. You just throw it in the junk drawer, Right? It's a lot easier than finding a place. You got electrical tape, you put it in the junk drawer. You got that one thing that it's always seems like it's out, you put it in the junk drawer. But sometimes in life, and I think I started thinking about this, is if we're not careful, we can develop junk drawers in our own individual lives spiritually. You know, it's a place that we just put things that we don't want to handle. You know, it's a place that we put things that when something bugs us, maybe irritates us, instead of dealing with it and maybe communicating or going to the root of the cause, I'm just going to put it in my junk drawer. I'm just going to put it in this drawer and I'm just going to leave it there. And the thing is, is that after time, that drawer gets full of more things, more things and more things. Um, It's things that we don't want to deal with at that specific time. You know, maybe things that you know, you know, I just don't have time to deal with this situation right now. And I know if I start to deal with it, it's going to be like opening a can of worms. And and I'm just going to put it on the back burner for now. I'm talking about things in life, spiritual things. Things that we know to get done, but we just don't get done. Things that know that we know that it will affect us, but it's just a lot easier to put them in a drawer and hide them instead of looking at them every day. Come on, somebody. It's just a lot easier to put that hurt and maybe that pain or that frustration, that anger or that critical spirit. I'm just going to tuck this away and I'm going to hide it away so I don't have to deal with it. Because I know if I start going through this, it's going to be hard. And the more items you put in that, 
pretty soon that drawer gets so full that we can't close it anymore. And it starts to overflow. And where does it go when it starts to overflow? It overflows in our life, and then it overflows in the other people's lives. It starts coming out in our relationships with people, our children, our spouses, our close friends. Yeah, at work you might look like you're all put together, but at home it's a totally different thing. You got a lot of junk drawers in our life, and we, and we, we pack things in there, and when it gets too full, then we go and we fill up another drawer. Things we don't want to deal with and things that we know that, well, you know, I just don't want to handle this right now. I'm not really wanting to make that commitment right now. Has anybody ever been there before? That you know you need to do something, but it's just like, but if I did that, that means I would have to give up this or relinquish this. Or it might mean that I might have to humble myself. And I tell you what, pride, pride is a, is a bad thing. It's a tricky, it's a sly old fox, pride is. And a lot of things in my life, at least, can be rooted back to pride. And I know there's been times in my life where God has dealt with specific things in my life. And what he wanted from me is surrender and to become vulnerable to him. But because of my pride, because I was scared what would happen if I did that. And not only that, I would be scared of what someone else would think if I did that. What would so-and-so think if I did that? So my pride gets the best of me. And a lot of this, I see a lot of this happen um, at the altar. I see a lot of this happen with, um, at the altar with that pride and God trying to move on somebody and, and starting to move on somebody. But then it gets to that point, like as humans we know ourselves pretty good, right? Like we know when we're really becoming transparent with God or other people. And we know that we, and we don't maybe consciously do this, but we still do it, is we keep people at an arm's length sometimes, you know. Uh, and sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. It's, it's just kind of something we just do because of where we've come from or things that we've went through. And, and, and you just do it, and it's a natural reaction. And if we're not careful, we do with God, is that we just we'll keep him at a, at, a, at a distance. We allow him into a certain place, but that's it. And once you start getting into the inner court of, of my heart and of my soul and of my being, then we just shut him out, right? We just, we just okay, that's enough, that's enough. And I've, I've realized I, I have done that in my life, and the longer I live for God, um, I know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever experienced this, but if you're in the altar and, and you're getting a move of God and it comes to a point where it's going to be breaking, right? But you know if you break, it's not going to be pretty. Like, you know it's not going to be pretty. There, there's going to be shouting or crying or maybe dancing or weeping. It's, it's something deep down in your soul that wants to come out but every time it tries coming out, we stop it. We allow it to come to a certain point, but we know exactly when to stop it. Sometimes we know we're stopping it, and sometimes we are not aware that we're stopping it. But what I want to relay is that there's something that God had embedded into our soul when he created us. That's deep down in our soul. That when we tap into that, that something happens in the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? 
I don't know if you've experienced that. And a lot of times, <laughs> our pride will stop it because it does look ugly when it does happen. Something breaks in, it, in the spiritual realm. And you know that one, you, and we've all seen that in the altar, right? We've all seen that one person that just gets the touch of God and then something just snaps and breaks. And, and, it's, and you can tell, it's evident. Not only can you see it, but you can hear it and you can feel it. And, it, and, it, and then it jumps from that person to this person and this person, and then pretty soon everybody's worshiping. But the person that got the breakthrough, I would say, would be the person that gets the most freedom and liberty from that because they yielded and they surrendered and they, and they, they crucified the flesh, but that pride, they just let it go, right? And in doing that, that drunk drawer starts to get more empty and more empty and more empty. And the altar is a great place to do that at, is a place that we come and we die out to God and we, and we cry out to God. But I don't want to get to a place with my relationship with God that I'm so apostolic and so dignified that I know just how much of the Holy Ghost I think I need and then I stop it and shut off the valve. You know, my hand shakes and I speak in tongues. I'll do a little jig around here and I'm good to go. But in reality, there's an inner battle going inside of me and a war going inside me that I know is going on, but I just won't allow God to break through that because it won't be pretty. But when you do do that and you do become vulnerable and you do allow the Holy Ghost to do that to you, whether if it's at the altar up here or whether if it's at home in your prayer closet, then that's when you will experience true peace and true joy and that true holiness and consecration with God. There was a kid at junior camp, and he was seeking the Holy Ghost. And Brother Jaden was praying for him, and other people were praying for him. Uh, he was seeking the Holy Ghost the whole time he was there. And on Thursday afternoon or night, either Thursday afternoon or night, maybe it was a night service, this kid received the Holy Ghost. And it was phenomenal to watch. Because when this kid got the Holy Ghost, it was like he was praying and he started speaking in tongues and he, his eyes shot open and he was like, what was that? And you can just tell on his face that something happened and something switched in him. There was this something that happened. And, 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 and in our lives, it's the same way. Is when we allow the Holy Ghost to move through us, the way that he wants us to move through us, something will happen. That burden and that weight that we're carrying, that we, here's the thing, is we don't even realize we're carrying it. Because we get to a place where we just start carrying it. It's, it's just a little load. And we just carry it, and, and it's one thing after another, and it's one thing after another, and you just put it away, and you put it away, and you don't deal with it, and you don't deal with it. It might be because you're too busy with work, or it might be because you're too busy with the kids and you're homeschooling, or it might be just because you don't want to deal with it. Whatever the reason might be, that starts weighing on you. It, but here's the scary thing is you don't even realize it. You ever been there? Like you don't even realize you've got a problem. You don't even realize that you're carrying a weight. Until that weight is released off of you. And you're like, what in the world is that? It feels so good and it feels so right. And, and it's like, I didn't even know I was carrying that. 
And then the feeling you have is like, I don't ever want to carry that weight again. I don't ever want to do that again. But it's like something is opening with our spiritual eyes when we, when we become very vulnerable to God, when we allow him to do that. It's like he opens our eyes. It's like almost like we're deceived or maybe we're just too busy in life, whatever it might be, we don't even realize it. But when God shows us it and we experience that, you never want to go back there again, do you? But the reality of it is, is we tend to go back there a lot more times than we want to go. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning is that that drawer or that area, it might be a cabinet for you, it might be a whole bedroom. That closet that you keep putting those skeletons in. We need to let that go. And I'm talking in the Holy Ghost right now that God wants you to relinquish that to him. And he's not just going to go and grab that and open that closet and take all that stuff out. Because he's a gentleman. He wants you to give it to him. And, and, and that is the hardest thing to do sometimes. Because we don't even sometimes know, like I said, we're carrying that weight. And I'm okay. Everything's okay. Man. We're so apostolic sometimes, it makes me sick. Right? We can get to a place where we're so apostolic, it's like we can't have a bad day. We, we can't lose it. We feel guilty for having a bad day. We feel guilty and condemned for maybe um, getting upset at, your, at our kids or maybe upset at, at someone else. And I'm, please... Don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying it's a good thing to do that, but I'm just telling you the reality of life is that sometimes you just, things happen, okay? And, and sometimes we just beat ourselves up because we think that we need to be so dignified and so, and so holy, which holiness is great and we do need to live a holy lifestyle, but we're so apostolic at times that it stops us from being real with God. I hope that makes sense. I hope that resonates with somebody because I've experienced it in my life where I've just acted like everything's okay. And, and almost to a point like, well, I, I'm not allowed to be stressed out. You know, I'm not allowed to be, to be, I shouldn't be stressed. What am I doing? I have the Holy Ghost. I go to church. I'm a preacher. I preach. I shouldn't have anxiety. I shouldn't feel uh, thoughts of depression and anxiety. You know, I shouldn't have the, but the reality is we do have them. But when you act like and you pretend that it's not there, that's when you start getting that problem. And then when you just take those, those thoughts and those emotions and you just tuck them deep down, that doesn't help the problem. You're just putting an old Band-Aid on it. Like one of those old Mickey Mouse ones that don't ever even stick, they just come off. You're not even putting a good one on it. And then stuff starts coming out, coming out, coming out. And we're wondering why, God, why am I not growing spiritually? Why am I keep struggling with the same thing over? It's been years and I keep, I'm, I'm short with my kids and I, I, I can't do this. What's going on, God? And God's like, and, and don't get me wrong, I look at it through the lens of one of my kids. Like I, if you're a parent and you have kids, you look at them and if you see them struggle with something and they're trying to ride a bike and you're trying to teach them how to ride a bike and they keep falling down and falling down, you know, you don't just be like, well, you might as well just give up. You're never going to ride a bike. You might as well just give up and call yourself a failure. That's not what, so that's how God, I feel like, feels with us. When we try doing things and we fall down, God's not up there saying, well, you might as well just quit. Are you kidding me? God wants us to make it. God's for us. He's for us more than we can ever imagine. But we allow our mind and our flesh to tell us that we're nothing. 
and we're going to keep struggling with this thing over and over again, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from hell. That's a lie from the devil. Because he's a liar and the father of all lies. But God went to a cross and shed his blood so that we can be overcomers in Christ. Amen? So we can do those things that he wants us to do. Because here's the thing is when you get to that point of uh, when you allow God to move on you, right, and you allow God to remove that burden from you and that weight and you feel freedom and liberty in the Holy Ghost, then here's the cool thing is that that experience you have, you can go tell somebody else about it. You can see somebody else that's struggling and you can go up to her and say, hey, bro, look, I know you're struggling. I just want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm for you. And if you ever want to go out to eat for lunch and just talk, I'm here for you. Or say, hey, sister, if you ever want to come over and we can just talk and we can just hang out and talk about the things of God or you can just talk and I'll listen, you're invited whenever you want. Because then, and that's what the kingdom of God's all about. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Is, do you know that you're a gift? God told me this not too long ago. I was praying and, and God says, you know, you're a gift. And I'm like, what do you mean a gift? Like a gift of coal? Like you get at church, yeah, Christmas time? He's like, no, you're a gift. And he says, not only you are a gift, but everybody in this room, I was praying right here, is a gift. I have given them to the church for a gift. And, and the way I use them is, yeah, the gifts of the spirit also. But the way I use them also is when you see somebody up here playing drums. Or you see someone up here singing being a praising or entertaining and bringing the presence of God or us to the presence of God, should I say. And it, it's a gift when your pastor comes up here and he ministers to you and he starts to speak to you. Or Brother Pete comes up and he starts teaching on things. And, on things and, and he starts talking to your spirit and you're like, well, how in the world does he know that I'm going through this? I never told him. He's a gift. We're all gifts in the body of Christ. And, that what, and that's what makes up the body of Christ. So sometimes when we get a little hard-headed and our pride rises up and we don't want to allow God to move on us and we just want to kind of sit where we're at and get stagnant, not only does it affect you and your family, but because you're a gift, it might stop or kind of let your light not shine as bright as a gifting in the church. And then outside the church also, there's a little, a lot of different areas, but there's, it's amazing the weights that we carry and the burdens that we carry that we don't know about. Sometimes we do know about, um, but there's ways to deal with these things the proper way. Okay. And I, I, I taught for a couple lessons on prayer. And if I could say anything is one of the best ways to deal with this thing is in prayer. It, and it, it's, it's becoming vulnerable to God, being real with God, and, and to pray. And I tell you what, our soul longs for that. That's why it feels, if you've ever experienced, this is why it feels so good when you're praying and you're at the altar and you just shout. Like all that angst and everything that's in you and you get to this point where like you can't hold it anymore and you just let it out. Because we were designed for that. Our souls longing for that, to worship the Lord and, and to surrender everything to God. That's what our soul wants. Our flesh don't want it, but our soul wants it. it it's like, hey God, I need you. Help me. And you just let everything out. And you're like, I don't care what anybody thinks or anything. I need some, a change today. I need something today. 
You know, and you get to that point where like, I don't really care what I look like, what I sound like. I don't care what I have to give up. I'm doing it because I'm sick of living like this because I'm getting tired and weary. And I feel like there's people in here right now that you're at that place in life. And the Holy Ghost speaking to you right now saying, just let it go. Listen, it's okay. And I know we all come from different backgrounds and different areas in life. But I will tell you this. You can trust God. He'll never leave you. He, he, he'll never forsake you. And I know that might even sound a little cliche because we hear it a lot. But I'm serious. You can become vulnerable and you can open up to God in a way that you've never even opened up to your own spouse. In a way that you've never even opened up to your own self. You can open up to God. That hit home right there. In a way that you won't even open up to your own self. You can open up to God. And you can say, God, here I am. And God's not going to hold it over your head. And God's not going to sit there and be like, yeah, you were wrong. And yeah, you did this. And you are a baby and and things like that. God's going to love you. That's not what we do to our own kids, is it? When my son or my daughter is hurting, they messed up and they come up to me and they say, hey, look, I'm sorry. You know, Elliot, he's got my genes obviously running in his blood, but he, he spills things all the time. You know, and he doesn't try to do it. He'll just spill the water and stuff. And, and we've gotten frustrated in the past. And, and recently he, he'll spill it. He'll spill the water. And instantly this is what he'll do. I'll clean it up. No, I'll clean it up. I got it. I'll clean it up. And it almost makes you feel bad. And like, you can't even get mad at the kid because he felt bad for spilling it. And he knows he made a mistake. And he's like, no, I got, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll clean it up. I'm cleaning it up. And he starts cleaning it up because he knows he made a mistake. And it's very hard to get after him when he does that. It's like, no, okay, yeah, it's okay. And when we come to God and we say, you know, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. I don't think God's sitting there like, yeah, what are you doing making a mistake again? I think God's like, I know you're sorry. I know you're really sorry this time. I know you've said it in the past and it might not have been that real, but I know that you're starting to get this. I know you're starting to get this. And, and, but sometimes we're just afraid, right, to be real with ourselves. But if we can just get over that, and that's, that, you know, some of that's pride and, and some of that is because of, of emotional scars also. I understand that um, in life. But I just want to tell somebody that you can trust God. He, he's, he's not going to hold it over your head. He loves you and he wants to see you make it more than you want to see you make it. Like he, he has so many, so many things he wants you to do in life. Things that you, you couldn't even imagine. Listen to me, I'm talking in the Holy Ghost. That things that you could never even imagine and think that you're capable of doing. But if you will just trust him and have faith in him and take the next step towards him and continually do that spiritual momentum, continually do that, even when you're just crawling in life and you feel like you want to give up, don't give up. Just keep going, keep going, and keep going. God, you can trust him. He will use you in a way that you can never dream of. And I know there's people right now saying, yeah, right. There's no way because I don't even see it. I know you don't see it because I didn't see it in my own life. But it's called trust and it's called faith. 
It's called faith. And let me tell you something. Every single person here has faith. You might just be a little bit of faith, but you have faith because the Bible says everyone is given a measure of faith. And if you think that your faith is too small to do something with, I beg to differ. Because the Bible says that all you need is a, the faith the size of a mustard seed, which is, one of the, is the smallest seed out there. That gives me hope. And that should give you hope also. Because you need hope. And I'm telling you what, you've looked in a lot of different areas in life that have been hopeless. And you might be at the end of your rope right now, on that last knot, just holding on with a couple fingers ready to let go. And I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, do not let go. Do not let go. Unless it's going to be letting go for Jesus. Because you can trust him. You can trust him. Genesis 16.1. There's a story of, of uh, Abraham and Sarah. Or Abram and Sarai. And uh, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may be obtained children by her. And Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, hearken to the voice of Sarai. Now a little background is that we have Abram here, and God has promised him that he's going to multiply his seed. He's, I'm going to use you and I'm going to multiply your seed as the sand is in the seashore and as the stars are in the sky. I am going to use you. And, and, and matter of fact, whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them. But I am going to use you and I'm going to use your lineage and your heritage to expand my people. And they, Sarah and Abraham, do not see this happen. And over and over God brings angels down, sends it down to him, and, and tells him, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And Sarah got a little weary. And if you've ever had a promise from God and you haven't seen, seen it come to pass right away, maybe it's been months or years, you can kind of relate to this. You get to a point where you're like, well, did God really promise me that? You know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe God needs a little help. Maybe I'll just take the next step without God and I'll do it. I know he promised me that he's going to bless me and stuff, but you know what? I'm going to kind of do it my own way real quick and then God can just jump on board. And that's kind of what Sarah was doing here is that she said, hey, listen, I'm obviously not getting pregnant and we have this handmaid, Hagar, here, which was from Egypt, by the way, that they got through lying. <laughs> you know, there's a whole story in that in itself. And she goes, you know what, Abram? Just marry her or whatever, and, and then you can go, and we can just have seed through her. And then the, God, the promises of God will happen through her. And they did it. And what happens? That, a, one, that was never God's will for that to happen. And for two, but God did use that and blessed Hagar because she submitted. But because of Sarah's lack of patience and trust and faith in God, she took matters into her own hands with the promises of God. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. And, and, and men, Abraham should have said no. So he said, God promised us this and it's going to come to pass. And, it's, and you're my wife and that's the, he said that's the seed it's going to come from is us and that's the seed it's going to come from no matter how long it takes. 
and I will not marry your handmaid. And I, she's an Egyptian from Egypt. That we got through lying and beguiling Pharaoh that we should have never did. And we took it. And she said, with us now, we're not going to do it. So as men, as the spiritual leaders of the home, we need to put our foot down sometimes. Even if mama gets mad. Even if you know there's going to be wrath. And sometimes there is wrath. But God will work that out. Don't worry. God will take care of all that. You know, you just start praying and, and seeking God. So there's a lot of different <laughs> things you can get out of this scripture. But we have to remember that the promises of God, we, we have to allow God to do that in our life. No matter how long it's been. Don't get weary, okay? It's very hard, but don't get weary in well-doing. God will see it come to pass. Maybe we're just not there yet. Spiritually, our character and, and spiritual maturity-wise, maybe we're not there yet. And we need to grow a little more. And then when we try doing it ourselves, you know, we're just bypassing the whole situation God wants to put us through. We got an intercessory prayer in the house. Amen. No, God is good. Um, but because of Sarah's lack of patience and faith in God, she put herself in that unique situation. And here's the deal, is that when she, she's like, go ahead, do your thing. We'll just use that with a handmaid and we'll take a child from that. And then when she conceives, what happens? Sarah's story changes. She gets upset, don't she? She sure does. And she gets after Abram and says, hey, what's going on? And Abram goes, okay, mama, do whatever you want to do with her. I'm not going to argue with you. And she runs over there and she's, she lets her have it to a point where Hagar, she goes and she runs away. But there were things that were coming out of Sarah that Sarah never even seen. Because, right? And how many times do we do that? Well, yeah, go ahead. If, if this would work this way, I would be okay with that. And then it happens the way we think that we want it to happen. And then we're like, wait a minute. It shouldn't be like that. <laughs> or we want some change or something. And then it actually changes and we're like, oh, the grass isn't greener on the other side. Maybe I should have just watered mine a little more. Maybe I should have just added fertilizer and mowed my lawn and taken care of what I had instead of thinking the whole time that it would be a lot better if it was like this. But there's times that we do those things and then things will start coming out in our life and we're like, man, I didn't even see that. I thought I wanted this. You ever had that? Like you thought you wanted something, you got it, you're like, well, this isn't what I wanted. No, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted at all. Sometimes if you're not careful, God will give you what you want. You ask for it long enough, he'll give it to you. And you go, no, I don't want that. I'm sorry. We look at Sarah, and that's what happened with her. But when life does become unbearable, and it's too hard to hold on, and you don't know what's going on with life, and you can't even figure it out, it's good, and it's okay to trust God. I'm telling you, you can. And I tell you this, when you're at that situation in life, um, the world tells you don't ever get to that situation in life but sometimes I will say this God brings us to that point in life for his glory and his purpose okay it's called brokenness and we all have our own spiritual wilderness that we go through in life it's that we all have that own brokenness that God has to bring us through in life but if you've went through that brokenness before and it seems like you're at this place where you just can't get it and you're like what is this what's going on I don't understand it 
I think it's time to empty out our junk drawer. Let's stand. But having that connection with God, going to God in prayer will absolutely help you to get those things out of your life. A consistent prayer, with, consistent prayer life with God will help you to remove those things in God. And I'm going to, I am not going to sing this song. I'm going to read this song, okay? I know you guys want me to sing, but I ain't going to. This is one of my favorite songs. It's what a friend we have in Jesus. And I want you to listen to the words because this is what I'm talking about. It goes, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. <laughs> Why don't we do it then, right? That's what I'm asking myself. Like, if it, it's, it, is, this is true. It's a privilege to carry it to God. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Wow. Ain't that the truth? That is the truth. Have we trials and temptations? Amen. Is there trouble anywhere? Yeah, amen. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Watch this. Jesus knows every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He knows it already. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Amen. Cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise and forsake you? Yeah, I've been there. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. That song is so true. The things that we carry and we bear, when we can just take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen? So I encourage you, today's a great day. And we're going to have a service here in about 15 minutes that we can take all that hurt to the Lord in prayer. And, and, and if you took that hurt and you got the victory last week and it feels like you just kind of picked up some stuff during the week, let me tell you something. Unload it today during service because if you do, I'm telling you something supernatural will happen. Something will happen. God, we love you and we magnify your precious name. I plead your precious blood over your service, God, that you would anoint the man of God, that he'd preach the word. God, I come against any doubt. I come against any fear right now. I bind it up and I loosen it to the pit of hell. God, I release faith in this atmosphere. God, I release apostolic dominion in this atmosphere, authority in this atmosphere, peace and joy through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would break the yoke through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we love you and we worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I worship you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed for about 15 minutes in Jesus' name. Amen.